Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and the Knicks are still streaking. Eight games in a row, Gavin. I don't know how to act right now. They won 137 to 127 over the Atlanta Hawks. It took a fifth period for this one to happen. Things were knotted up through regulation, but ultimately Julius Randle and some others came through and helped the Knicks out to take this win in overtime and get their eighth straight. Yeah, it was an amazing effort. It looked like the Hawks maybe had this one in hand and then Trey Young got hurt, but but give the Knicks credit to win eight games. It, it takes some luck, but it takes a whole lot of skill. They took full advantage from that point forward. Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle dominating the overtime period. We'll get into that. The Knicks' amazing showcase of depth in this one and much more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app and join us this week, today, as a matter of fact, at 5.30 p.m. for our Fan Friday weekly Locker Room with you guys, which it, we, I know it's Thursday, but we, pre, we put the show out on Friday that features all of our great conversations with you guys. So, Join us again today, 5.30 p.m. on the Locker Room app. Download that on the iOS store if you haven't already. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. I am Alex Wolf. I am the editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And just as a reminder, if you haven't checked it out yet, we just dropped some cool merch, which you can find either at thestrick.land at our shop tab, or you can go directly to thestrickland.bigcartel.com. Cool shirt with RJ, cool shirt with Frank. You can get them in hoodies, crew necks, whatever. Really cool merch drop, all printed locally, all giving to a local charity. And he is Gavin Shaw. He is a play-by-play man, active once again, almost ready to rock, Gavin. You're, you've got your second vaccine dose now too, right? So you're ready to rock? Uh, yeah, for uh, in four days. Yeah, I'm right, I'm right on the precipice. Unlike the Knicks, who are already there, Alex, eight-game winning streak insanity. Where are we going to start in this one? Oh, man. I mean, how could you start anywhere other than Julius Randle? I think I, – I don't think that the Knicks – you know, this is another one of those games that unless Julius goes crazy, the Knicks don't win it. Uh, obviously, he had some great contributions from Derrick Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, um, RJ Barrett, you know, put it together in the second half after another kind of rocky first half. Nerlens Noel was an Iron Man, came back after getting absolutely obliterated in the face. Like, RIP the faces of the Knicks centers in this game, which we'll get into in a minute. But Julius Randle, I mean, 41 minutes, 40 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 12 of 13 from the free throw line, 6 of 8 from 3, 11 of 21 overall. I mean, what 
can't this guy do at this point? I, I don't know. I mean, he just showcased everything. I don't even know. It's like we don't even have to go over all the stuff that he did, but he had, you know, his he had a, a bull finish to get into the, the lane and hit a layup that put the Knicks up in a key stretch down regulation. Um, he made some clutch three-pointers in this game. I mean, obviously made six of them, which is fantastic. Uh, he, you know, just asserted his will at every possible place in this game. And, you know, he started off a little rocky, I think, uh, was strangely not reacting that well to Atlanta kind of throwing the kitchen sink at him like teams have been doing lately and turned the ball over a decent amount early, but then really got himself together, like in the second half, especially, and just was like, all right, it's time to go to work. And went to work and got his third 40 point game of the season. First Nick to have uh three 40 point games or more since Carmelo Anthony was on the team when he had five, uh, I believe in the 13, 14 season. I, I didn't write it down. They showed it during the broadcast, but either 12, 13 or 13, 14 Mello had uh, five 40 point games. So Julius inches a little closer to more Knicks history there. And uh, just in general, Gavin, I was, I mean, I was blown away by him again. I'm almost like at a loss for words for him at this point. I literally, I went on the Locked On Today show because uh, you and I were like, we're making the media rounds lately within the network because everybody wants to talk about the Knicks now, that they're the hottest team in the NBA. And uh, I got asked about Julius Randle, and I was like, look, this sounds blasphemous, but on our show all the time, we say that he gives you so many of the same things that LeBron James does. And it's it's not an exaggeration. I mean, he went in overtime from making, you know, a, a clutch shot and, you know, basically starting to ice the game for the Knicks to then next possession comes down, drives in, hits uh, Nerland's Noel with a no-look pass for a dunk. It's just like there's not a single thing that Julius Randle can't do right now. And I'm just happy to be along for the ride as he continues just completely dominating teams night in and night out. I, I saw someone the other day, uh, and they, they got a lot of blowback on this uh, post on Twitter. Is Randall right now better than Mello was during 12-13? I, I don't want to have that conversation right now because I think it's a whole episode unto itself, but maybe we save that for, for a rainy day, or maybe we open our locker room with that this week. I because- think that's a good idea. That's So if you want to, yeah, if people want to talk that in the locker room, that's going to be our first topic. And I'll, I'll give a spoiler alert right now. I'm going to be Team Julius is better this year. Period. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right, and, I, I, and I'm was, a mellow guy too. But it, it was better. really funny because someone quote tweeted the original tweet saying, "This guy's a bleeping idiot." And in like it, the reason I got a notification is because Ian Begley liked it, so we know we know where he stands. Ian, uh, or yeah, Ian, you're welcome to pop on the locker room and and, and defend your take there. I don't know. I think it's I, I think it's I think it's a debate. But yeah, let's let, let's get into it with Randall a little bit. Starts off his night. Um, I mean, it, it, I think people, myself included, because I, I I watched this game until overtime. I was sort of thinking, yeah, this is just like another good night for Julius Randall. It's not totally insane that Julius Randall made his first five threes, but I mean, the touch right now is just absolutely insane. He was trying to draw an and one on Kevin Herter and just double pumped it and drained it like it was nothing. Insanely tough shot, but he's making it with such regularity. Again, you just you just kind of get used to it. And the other one in the first half that really stood out to me was was he hit his first three. Seemed like he was going to get going. Um, gets the ball slightly inside the corner arc 
and and intentionally like dribbles backwards into a corner three. And it, it honestly reminded me of Steph Curry, the way um, he, he sort of changed basketball in that 14-15 and 15-16 season where he was hunting threes in a way you, you really hadn't seen any player in NBA history do it before. Now, now that's more common throughout the league where you'll see the best guys across the NBA um, search out those shots. But to see a, a, a player in Randall who for the first six seasons of his career never shot much better than 30% from distance, it's it just, it, 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 it's surreal. That, that's the only word I could use to describe it. Um, then down the stretch in the fourth quarter with like 126 left in the game, uh, Nerlens Noel got that poke away. It looked like a clean play on replay, but it, it got called a foul. And then Randall says, screw it. I'm, I'm going to get it right back to us. And, and he jumps in on a pass to Clint Capella and, and knocks it away. He did the same thing to Zion Williamson two days ago. Doris Burke, she referenced it on the ESPN broadcast that Randall was first in ESPN's defensive plus minus metric. If you look who's high on that list, you'll or first among power forwards, excuse me. And if you look at that list, you'll see it's a very flawed metric. But you also kind of get why. It's not just the one-on-one defense. It's the proactive team defense in key situations. And I've long argued the best players in the league, I, what, what defines them more than their dominance um, during regular season games or, or during like the first half of games, it, it's, it's not only how do they perform down the stretch. It, it, it's in big situations, in big games, in, in, in key moments. How, how do they do stuff that's outside of their typical skill set or outside of their typical comfort zone? Like someone like Joel Embiid out of nowhere, like pulling up and hitting a three in a key moment or someone like Damian Lillard pulling out a dunk in a key moment. And, and that's what Randall does defensively, not someone who you would normally consider an incredible defensive playmaker. Um, but in these big moments, he's coming up with steals out of nowhere, almost as if he has that extra reserve in him and he's able to pull it out down the stretch, then hits a baseline fadeaway, 121-18. Um, Hawks get a point back on a free throw, goes through right, right through John Collins for a layup. We know what happens next. Uh, Bogdanovich ties it at 122, but then Julius takes over in overtime, hits a three, give and go with Reggie Bullock. Bullock pays it off with another three, drives into a double team, little slip pass to New Orleans Noel, slam dunk, and it was all over at that point. Emmanuel quickly topped it off, Alex. But yeah, just another incredible Julius Randle game. Yeah, certainly. And uh, Gavin, is it possible in your professional opinion that Julius Randle maybe, you know, stimulated his muscles to for the stretch run at halftime. I know often, you know, we talk about him eating a built bar or something, but he seemed extra, you know, extra loose in that second half today. You think there was maybe a reason for that? Yeah, Alex, you know, I I I think he might have even gotten into a post game, maybe pre game. But what what else could we talk be talking about but the Theragun? And, and we don't want you to let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me. Just trying to make it through the day tension-free. In my case, just trying to make a layup in the occasional post-COVID pickup game. Theragun can help a lot. And we know that because I literally saw Nerlens Noel Theragunning. I know it was a lip injury, but I and, and legally, I can't say that Theragun cured his lip. But I can't imply it on my own volition because he was Theragunning. Then all of a sudden, he was ready to come back into the game. And just in case you guys didn't know, Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle muscle tension using scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. It's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. I got so fired up reading these ads, I got myself a Theragun, or rather, um, my beautiful girlfriend was nice enough to get it for me 
for my birthday, and it is working incredibly. I already love it. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. All right, guys, we are back on Locked On Knicks. Uh, but we wanted to remind you, in case you're not tuning into it, because it is the biggest production that the Locked On Podcast Network has ever done. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live, get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th through May 1st. All right, Alex. I, I went. I went deep. A little, a little too deep on Julius Randle. I, I went Theragun deep. I was about Julius to say Randall. you went deep tissue, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you were. Uh, you were in there. All right. So I, I guess I got. I got to ask you. Uh, who, who are we going deep tissue on next? <laughs> um, I'm going to say quickly. Uh, I think that for the second straight game, quickly really made a case for himself for having a bigger role on this team going forward. Uh, I would also say that Alfred Payton kind of dug his grave a little more, so to speak. Uh, second straight game that he just essentially played himself out of the game in the second half, uh, which, as we know, kind of takes a lot from Tibbs uh, to make that happen, particularly with Peyton, not with not so much with some other players on the team. But, I mean, he it, it was just – it was bad, man. I, I, again, I don't want to pile on because I, I want to talk more about quickly. But essentially, like, Peyton missed, like, three straight extremely easy layups. And then more and like I think gave up a, a three to Trey Young or something on the other end. I forget. It was like three or four things in a row that just like it was part of the Knicks falling behind by a, a sizable margin in the third quarter. And then essentially like just walked himself to the bench. Like Tibbs called a timeout or something, or like there's a stoppage in play, and literally like Elf didn't skip a beat and just walked to the bench because he knew he was done. Uh, and quickly got in, and I mean, I, quickly was awesome. I guess the the best part about Quickly's game this time around is that it wasn't all just a flurry. Like he spread his his you know impact out across the whole game this time, rather than like the other night where he just scored that seventeen point burst in the second quarter, and then it was it was a little quieter from him from there on out. This game, thirty minutes, scored twenty points, uh, seven of eleven field goals, four six from three. Got to the free throw line, shot two or three from there. Also had four assists, which was third on the team uh, behind the guys you want him to be behind, which is Julius Randle and RJ Barrett. So really good assist game for all three of those guys. And uh, the probably the biggest thing, a team high plus 29. And it really felt that way with him. I mean, this was just one of those games that really hammered home. When he's out there, teams have to respect him from three. Like, I... <laughs> I don't feel like a broken record bringing this up, but 
you know, he, it's just the fact, you know, of the matter is that when quickly is out there, teams have to pay attention to the perimeter from the point guard spot for the Knicks. When Peyton is out there, they ignore him and they were ignoring him all game in this one. And then Peyton, you know, even when he was getting the opportunities that he needed to get in order to be successful, he wasn't hitting them. So to get quickly out there, who's a legitimate three point gunner who made a couple of, you know, again, I call them like garden variety quickly threes where they were just kind of like catch and shoot around the perimeter, whatever. Cool. But then drained one from like the Delta logo on the MSG court, which is like, you know, on its way up the sideline, probably, I don't know. How far would you say that that one was Gavin that he shot the one that was like from the Delta logo there? It was like 27, 28 feet. Yeah, it was a pretty long three. I would say bordering on 30 feet. Like it was, it was pretty far back from the line. He was at least like two solid steps back. And, uh, you know, so he has that ability when he's cooking, but on top of that, he wasn't just doing that. Like he also, you know, he had, he had seven makes total. Only four of them were threes. The other three, he was getting inside. He was generating really good looks around the rim, which has been a good thing that we've seen. He, he busted out sort of like a, hybrid floater layup in this one, which I th- I think is definitely a good thing for him. Like he used the backboard instead of just going to try to float it in, you know, for a swish, he actually used the backboard on one of his floaters kind of. And that, that was to great effect. Like I think that was an, and one, or if not, it was very close to one, but just a really, really good game from him. Uh, I think that he just definitely deserves like the, you know, Randall gets the game ball, obviously, and that was, you know, well-deserved. But I think Quickly is definitely, like, the second most valuable player of this game. And I don't think it's – eh, I shouldn't say it's not particularly close. Derrick Rose had some really good stretches, too, particularly in the second quarter when the Knicks really needed him to kind of stay afloat. But I, I think Quickly gets, you know, particularly because Rose fouled out and Quickly was able to play all the way through the overtime, I think I would give Quickly the second game ball, so to speak. Or if this was hockey, like – the second star for the game. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously in, in total agreement. And it was just, it, it was really cool to watch him, RJ and Randall all hot at the same time as, as they were in overtime. I, I think that's maybe happened. I, I don't know. I'd have to go back to like one or, or two other games this year where they were all clicking simultaneously. And, and I put it out on Twitter, but I think it, it was, it was a preview of what the Knicks future is going to look like. It's going to be, it's going to be IQ at point, I think, I hope. Um, RJ getting into the lane, making stuff happen, bombing threes as, as he's wont to these days. Julius mixing in a little bit of everything, still being the fulcrum of the offense. And, and then you plug in a 3 and D guy right now. It's Reggie Bullock. Maybe maybe they upgrade that spot this offseason. If Reggie keeps playing like he has the last 20 games, they don't need to upgrade that spot this offseason. Um, and then replace Nerlens Noel with Mitchell Robinson or whoever is the eventual center of the future and and you sort of got your core and, and you can see how deadly that is and it's because the Knicks have have turned from a team that was one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the NBA to one that went 19 of 35 tonight um going into tonight's game was up to six in the league in three-point percentage and, and again you you look you look mostly at individuals RJ up to 39 percent Randall well over 40 at this point IQ 38 percent on a diet of high degree of difficulty threes that's a core you want to build around it's something um zach Lowe talked about when, when kevin durant signed with with the warriors that this, this wasn't the same as lebron signing with miami because when you have three stars 
who can all shoot. And, and I mean, in the case of that Warriors team, you had literally three of the greatest shooters of all time. They can fit together seamlessly, and it's essentially unstoppable. And I never really thought that would be the – I mean, obviously going to the year, we, we didn't think IQ would even be in that conversation. But even, even if you had told me last offseason, hey, this this quickly kid, he's going to be really, really good, I, I would have said that's awesome. But the Knicks, I mean, they're still going to be really short on shooting. But all of a sudden, Randall, knocked down high-volume three-point shooter. RJ, knocked down high-volume three-point shooter. Fingers crossed. He, he was just he, – he was two for eight tonight, obviously. But I think – I think he's heading in that direction, given his age and pedigree. And that's a, that's a future worth investing in, and that's a future worth getting excited about, because it's one where all these guys really complement each other. And you just you just hope and pray that Tibbs, uh, Tibbs sees that. He sees that it can, it can work right now. Obviously, IQ went through a really cold stretch. If he can keep this up, I, I, I hope he keeps getting 30-minute nights, because him... Barrett and Randall together is something special. And, and you, you can just see how, how everything opens up w- when you get shooting in at that point guard spot. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that the core is something to bank on. Maybe it's even something to bet on Whoa. at this point. Uh, and I think we've got the place for everybody to bet if they want to. And that is betonline.ag. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA, NHL, MLB, all in season right now. You love to see it, to have all three of those leagues going at the same time. Normally by the time that baseball starts playing, the Knicks are long gone. So great to see all these going on at once. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Make sure to head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code LOCKEDON. Again, head to betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON and you will get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And after you're done placing some bets, maybe winning a little money, maybe that gives you that capital you need to tackle that car project that you've been thinking about doing. And if you want to do that, head to rockauto.com because it is the best, easiest, least expensive way to order parts for your car. Think about it. You know, you go to these brick and mortar stores, there's so many different parts that could potentially be available for any car. Of course, they're not going to have them in stock. And, you know, they look up the parts, they tell you the price, they're selling you the part that they want to sell you to make the most money instead of giving you a choice of less expensive options that might fit your needs better. And then you got to wait for it to come into that store, not to your house, go pick it up, pay that exorbitant amount, and then bring it home like a week later when you could have just been ordering it from home. Think about it. These guys use a computer to order those parts for you. You have a computer at home and you have rockauto.com right there with all the parts for your car or truck and an easy to sort through selection that lets you pick the one that's right for you at the right price point and is never price gouged for a regular consumer versus a mechanic. So keep an eye out on that. Head to rockauto.com today if you want to check out what's available for your car or truck. And if you decide to pick up a part, be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. 
Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. And let me just tell you guys before we start getting into our, our final points of this episode, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey is happening now. Featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason LaConfora, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts for every team are making trades and picking the next stars of their teams. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can find the Locked On Knicks podcast on there, too, along with a whole bunch of other great stuff. So definitely check out that Odyssey app today. Uh, Gavin, we are back in for our final bit of talk here about this game. We talked about Randall. We talked about quickly. A lot of different directions we could potentially go. We could talk about talk about Derrick Rose, his impact. We could talk about R.J. Barrett, what he did. Uh, the fact that he came in cold, like at right at the end of the fourth quarter, and and you know managed to do what he did in the fourth and overtime. Uh, we could talk about Reggie Bullock, Nerlens Noel, the Iron Man. Talk about how Solomon Hill is like the most dangerous basketball player on the planet. Uh, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> Jeez. Wow. What a, what a, what a litany of, of great options, man. I think I'm going to, I know, I know we gave him a shout out already, but I'm, I'm going to throw it over to D Rose third straight. Great game. We we're talking about how efficient he was a night ago. Um, topped it tonight, 20 points, eight to 12 from the field, made his only three, three or four from the charity stripe threw in a couple rebounds, couple of assists just continues to be exactly what the Knicks need. And I I don't know about you, Alex, but I'm, I'm sort of like, I'm holding on for dear life on, on, on the Derrick Rose ride. It feels like any day it could flip and he could go one for 11 or something. I know it's kind of like that with RJ. It's kind of like that with IQ, but with Rose, man, it feels, it feels so essential and they just feel so elevated when he's playing well. And I know you could say that for any of those guys and with Burks out, it, it, it's even more important, but it's something about him. When, when you, when you get really, really high level point guard play, everything opens up for this team. And, and I think, I think what it is, is like, you can, you can kind of replace RJ's production a little bit um, with, with Burks when he's going, when some of the other guys are going quickly, you, you kind of get that shooting from Reggie Bullock. If RJ or Randall's hot, you can compensate for it. But there's just no one to really replace Derrick Rose when he's not playing well. They, they don't have another point guard capable of, of managing a team. Sorry, Elf. Um, while also being a constant threat um, for defenses and someone you have to respect from behind the arc, he, he's the only one who, who checks all those boxes. And, and right now he's just on an absolute tear. He, he's hitting these insane contested flip shots that, that don't really make any sense. He, he's, he's looking like, I mean, vintage D. Rose out on the break sprinting past guys for layups. Um, they had they had this gorgeous little play for him where they ran. It's called the it's called the Spanish or, or, or rather the Spain pick and roll, uh, which I, I was proud of myself for recognizing in the moment. So how it goes is is Rose is on the ball. Emmanuel quickly goes down and screens for Nerland's Noel. Uh, Noel pops off Clint Capella, screens the defender guarding Rose. Capella tries to help um, and, and guard Rose. But IQ pops down and screens Capella, Rose straight line to the rim. Good bit of little trickeration from Tibbs. They've run that uh, a couple of times recently. And um, and then there was this great sequence late in the game where it was Derek Rose 
threw it over to Reggie Bullock, threw it up to IQ. IQ totally unselfish, moved it along to Rose. Left pocket three, gorgeous, goes in, 116-109. Rose fouled out before OT, quickly took them home. But I, I just want to give the guy a shout-out. He's, he's playing the best basketball of his Knicks life right now. Um, he had some quotes saying like he, he just he just really wanted to be part of a winning team. And, and you could tell he, he's elevated his play since he was on, on the Pistons. It, it's the same thing we're seeing with Blake Griffin from Brooklyn. And, and it's amazing we get to say it about the Knicks. But there is there is something with, with bets where, where you put them on a team where they really have something to go for. It, it, it's squeezing the last bit of juice out of the lemon. He's, he's getting everything he can out of his body. The Knicks need every bit of it right now. And it's it's leading to this winning streak. Yeah, and to your point about like whether it's sustainable or not, I I think that there is a certain amount of sustainability to how Rose has been playing these last few games, and that it's not entirely re- like he's been hitting some mid range shots, and he's had a couple of those like kind of like wonky floaters go in and stuff, but he's not entirely reliant on like low efficiency. You know, could go in, could not chances are on a normal night goes in, you know, whatever, like 30% of the time, he's not totally relying on that sort of stuff. So I feel pretty good about the sustainability of his play right now because he's just like, he's getting to the rim. He's generating looks for others that way. He's making smart decisions about like just kind of baiting the defense enough to set up his teammates. Um, And, you know, when he gets to the rim, he's, he's being very crafty about picking his shots, turning on the jets when he needs to, uh, but most importantly, I guess for health considerations, he's not—he's not trying to do vintage D. And I mean, he hasn't done this for years, like even back to his first stint with the Knicks. But he's not doing like you know crazy acrobatic type stuff that's going to wear down his body. Um, he's just kind of doing the the crafty get to where he needs to go and you know find a way to finagle that layup up in there kind of stuff without having to get too high off the ground or anything. And uh, so I think that's. I think it's becoming more sustainable with him. I think he's finally settling in. He's not, he definitely kind of was occasionally giving you those 2016 Derrick Rose vibes where you were like, you're getting a little too hero ball for me. You know, like you're, you're doing a little too much here in certain games when he first started with the Knicks. And now I think he's finally settled into his role and is like, okay, there's a lot of talent on this team. Like, obviously I don't have to, I don't have to come out here and win games for these guys. Like they're going to put me in a position to be able to do better because of how talented they are. But I have to make sure that the other team knows how talented they are too, for me to be successful. So I I like his approach. I like his mentality a lot. Um, I am going to throw it to, I mean, this game was a, a total disaster from an injury standpoint. Uh, Solomon Hill is a freaking madman. I mean, he he uh, poked Taj Gibson in the eye early in this game, like really bad. Like Taj was down for a while, making a really reckless play, quote unquote, on the ball. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think that he was close enough to the ball where I'd be like, yeah, he died. I don't think he was necessarily intentionally trying to poke Taj in the eye either. But I also think that he was being reckless with how he was swinging his arms around on that particular play. Um, lacerates Taj's eyelid, I think was what the official, uh, diagnosis was, which that stings. That means that he cut Taj's eyelid open. Um, hopefully 
hopefully it's not something that he needs stitches for or anything or anything that, you know, is particularly dangerous. I don't know. I, it, maybe it's just the thing that needs to heal over the next couple of days and he'll be fine by Saturday, hopefully. Um, but that sucked. And then uh, Nerlens Noel got hurt as well. Got just absolutely. I, I don't remember if this was Hill or not. Someone, though, it might have been Capella on this one, just blasted him in the face with an elbow. And I mean, it, when they showed the replay, it was like, it was like a knockout punch from like a, a you know UFC fighter or something where if you had zoomed in on that you would have seen like the face ripples coming off. I mean he got clobbered with an elbow to the face, and Nerlens to his credit man he is tough as nails. I mean he he went out for I don't know probably like a quarter. Uh, he was out through the end of the first half if I'm not mistaken, and then came back partway through the second half and made it work. You know, I, I, they said that he had a laceration as well. So he must've gotten cut on his face or something from that, but mostly just looked like he got freaking rocked, man, like right in the face. Um, but he managed to come back and that was awesome. And then obviously we discussed it earlier, but, uh, Trey young while getting inside, uh, I, I didn't see exactly what it was that, that made him twist his ankle and I've had like ankle and knee problems throughout my life. So I'm kind of squeamish with watching that stuff. So I didn't, I didn't go out of my way to seek it out. Um, but he twists his ankle pretty bad, had to get helped off the floor. Uh, some might say that that was the turning point for the Knicks. And obviously they started doing better once Trey got out of there. I actually think, I mean, I think the Knicks were in a position where they could have gone on a run regardless. And they had sort of started it at that point where they were getting it close and just hadn't quite overtaken the Hawks yet. But at any rate, big loss for the Hawks potentially going forward. But Gavin, it was just a bloodbath of a game, man. Like, I can't remember. The uh, the Knicks have been fortunate enough to not, I mean, other than Mitch, obviously, which has just been two tragedies in a row with just, like, freak injuries that you don't see every day with the broken hand and broken foot. Um, the Knicks have mostly avoided the injury bug pretty well. It was kind of weird to see one of those, like, total bloodbath injury games this time. Yeah, I don't know. I was just when Noel got hurt too. I was like, "Oh my, are, are you kidding?" And I think I think Pell even took a hit at one point. And I was just like, "This is." Pell this... did. He went down at one point. Oh, yeah, and they were like, I, oh Pell I, is down, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> I think it, it was it was on the play where where Trey got hurt. I think he I think he yeah. fell down. And if, that's if right. He, I think they stepped on each other's feet or something. Yeah, it no, sounded like Trey sounded like that was kind of the deal. Trey stepped on his foot, and then his yeah. left foot landed. Really, it was it was it looked bad, and we. We haven't even gotten into. I mean, I mean, first of all, I mean, uh, get well soon, Trey Young. Um, I've never seen someone so thoroughly dominate a game. They shot six for seventeen in, and I, I was watching, thinking like, I, I the whole time, like, I, I just don't know what they do against this guy. He was, but he was just creating dunk after dunk after dunk for Clint Capella, and they, they, they the Knicks seemingly were, were just completely befuddled by him in, in the first half. Where like I, I was writing down after the first quarter, the Knicks shot like six for eight from three or sixty percent from the field, and still down by five. And it, it felt like one of those games where the Knicks could have scored 130 and still lost um, and, and give the Hawks a lot of credit, man. They, they were 18 and six coming into this game under Nate McMillan. This wasn't, this wasn't the Knicks playing down to the competition. This is a legitimate, like I think top four seed if, if they had been healthy the entire season, but may, maybe that's, that's the angle to, to finish up on Alex, um, how this will affect seeding where, where the Knicks, the Knicks seemingly have a, have a really good chance. I, I was saying um, uh, people people can shun me if they want. Um, on locker room two weeks ago, I thought the Knicks were going to finish under 500, and and right right in the midst of those playing games, 
And now I th- you can you can make a pretty compelling argument that that they have a great shot at sticking in that four five range, and that it would be an upset of massive proportions if they fell into the playing game. Oh, for sure. I don't. I mean, I don't want to go out and start making like guarantees. Obviously, they're only a game and a half up on Miami right now, who's in the seven spot, which puts you in the play in. Um, but I, I, I might be riding the high of the win streak, but. Right now, I, I feel like the Knicks are going to end up in the 4-5 matchup. I just, you know, there's only 12 games left. And 12 games left, you know, that's where the these margins of, like, you know, two games ahead one way or the other, they start to kind of add up a little more. So even if the Knicks just play 500 ball the rest of the way out, these other teams, it's on these other teams now to catch them. It's not up to the Knicks anymore. Uh, so if they could play, play 500 ball, and these other teams can't find a way to go on a win streak. And, you know, it all kind of levels out, which the East is still very competitive. The West is still very competitive. So these East teams that have to play West teams are facing equally hungry teams over there. that are probably better. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. But um, I actually, you know, I already, I already pumped up that I was on locked on today. I, I mentioned on there, you know, in my segment with, with Peter, that I think if the Knicks end up four or five, I mean, we might be talking about a first round win <laughs> like this. It, it could really happen. You know, I, I don't think that the Knicks quite have the juice to beat one of those top three teams in a seven game series. But can they beat, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be Atlanta at this point, because it, depending on how how Trey's injury is, plus all the other litany of injuries they have, they unfortunately might be due for a drop in the standings right now. Um, if it's Boston, if it's potentially Miami, you know, whatever of those three teams, I I think Miami is probably the one that scares me the most. But I, I think for sure Boston, they could beat in a seven game series, uh, and uh, which is crazy to say. But I think that's definitely something that could happen. I think that even if they play with the level that they've been playing at recently, they could potentially beat the Heat in a seven game series too. If it's the four or five matchup, particularly if they have home court where the Knicks really lately have been defending msg like like madmen so uh yeah gavin i uh i don't know how much more i got to say on that but it's an exciting time right now to be a knicks fan and the ball's really in the knicks court right now and you know i noted it already on here but they have a pretty favorable schedule coming up um where th- this run might not be over like we might not be done talking about this win streak for a minute at least, you know, the Toronto on Saturday, Phoenix on Monday, that's obviously a, a hard game. But then Chicago, who just is playing god awful and doesn't have Zach Levine at the moment, uh, at Houston uh, a week from Sunday, which, you know, the Knicks are going to get plenty of rest this upcoming week and a half, too, which will be super useful. Um, and then at Memphis, I mean, before a really hellacious stretch to end the season, but. There's a world where I could see the Knicks winning. If you add five more, that's 13 straight games right now. And I would not be terribly surprised if that happened. Um, but I did want to, sorry, I feel like I'm monopolizing the end of the show here, but I did just want to throw out two other quick things real quick. One was um, Julius Rant. Well, so first off, Mike Woodson was at the game, which was really sweet. Like they showed before, the the game started that Woodson um was kind of like 
greeting all the players. Like I, I get the feeling he kind of had to leave unceremoniously to go do everything, you know, to get hired by Indiana. So this sort of felt like he came back to sort of say goodbye to everybody in a way, which was really sweet. And you could see like, there was just like a line of guys, you know, on the Knicks that just wanted to like give him a hug and say hello and see how he's doing and everything at the beginning of the game really kind of speaks to the camaraderie of the team. But then like at the very end, there was just like the sweetest moment where Julius Randle after his huge game, after his, you know, 40 point game, uh, takes his jersey off and signs it. And I was like, oh, is he going to do like a jersey swap with somebody? And no, he gave it to Mike Woodson and and took a picture with him and was like, this one's for you. Like, thank you so much. Blah, blah, blah. It was really sweet. And then Julius also right after doing that, before his postgame interview with Rebecca Harlow, jumps up into the stands, gives his wife a kiss, which was really sweet, too. I just I don't know. I, I keep finding new ways to love this team, Gavin, like every single time. Yeah, that was that was amazing. And I, I want to say embodying the the spirit of the team, Obi Toppin, man, what, it, what it, I'll make it very quick because we're running over. But what a great two way game um, ran the break early on, set up RJ it was a little late, but I, I liked seeing it from him. got a dunk off of a great run out and showed probably the best skill in his arsenal, which is just his end to end speed um, had an awesome, awesome dunk there. And then, um, this, this great sequence, I think it was, it was near the end of the third quarter. Maybe, maybe it was early fourth, but I, I loved how long, um, Tibbs went with his backups in this one. And it didn't, it didn't really reflect on the final minute count because, uh, because of overtime, but really gave RJ and Julius substantial rest down the stretch, which I think is, I think is ultimately what allowed them to play so well in overtime, given that this was a back-to-back and now Tibbs is, Tibbs is talking about locking these guys out of the practice facility tomorrow. But anyways, the play that I think embodied the effort of that second unit was um, OB getting a great contest on, um, I think, Brandon Goodwin, if I'm remembering his name correctly, on Atlanta, um, forcing a miss there, getting the rebound. Then on on the other end, like really, really sprinting hard after a loose ball and and forcing Atlanta to sort of knock it out of bounds just because of his hustle. Um, Then got a second offensive rebound that he fumbled, but he fumbled it right to Norvell Pell for a layup and Norvell Pell was really struggling. So he deserved a layup. Great sequence from Obi Toppin. Great game for him. Great win for these Knicks. And we will sign off on that happy note while reminding you to join us on locker room tonight at five 30. I get that right. One out of 10 times. So everyone should commemorate that accomplishment by actually joining us. We'll talk uh, Julius Randall versus Carmelo Anthony, and then whatever you guys want to get into. And as we always note, we turn into a full podcast after that you guys will actually get to be on. Really cool opportunity. I've been loving how many people have been showing up the last few weeks. I'm expecting tomorrow to be our best one yet, given the eight-game winning streak. That's right. They won eight in a row. Signing off, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, Locked On. Peace.